Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Well, Jeremy, has that come at that, an uh, opportune time for anyone? Uh, that uh, it, it, it had been two, two, and a, two hours. Of, two hours and a half since the last uh, full course caution so another really good long uh, stint there uh, and you're, you're absolutely right there, there were only four cars on the lead lap there uh, so just the the number 60 31 10 and 6 the 0 1 0 2 to both Cadillac racing Chip Ganassi run entries uh, are a lap down as is the BMW with Marco Vittman at the wheel um, and uh, yeah just the, the pace of that number 60 car, Maya Shank Racing Acura, out front has been really, really strong. And he's he holding a gap of about 14 seconds over Alexander Sims in second position. Um, no, 19 seconds it had gone out to, actually. So he gradually extended that lead. The third place car, Louis Delachasse, had been closing in just a little bit on Alexander Sims. And then Dane Cameron, somewhere back in fourth position. Uh, has it really? Does it favour anybody? Not, not really. Um, but, but everybody will be into the pits right now for regular service. Uh, in which case, the uh, the zero one, zero two, and twenty four will probably stay out to get their laps back before they bring their cars onto pit lane. Uh, news of another retirement, it would seem, as we're now up to five. The Ferrari was first out. That was the number forty seven Chetilar car. Uh, that uh, machine out after just 44 laps. The Ligier LMP3 Ranch 74 car that has officially retired. The Mercedes number 75 Fabian Schiller that is the Sun Energy 1 car 233 laps the number 11 had an accident with I think it said Stephen aboard, wasn't it, uh, when that number 11 yeah, had the accident. But then Rina's Vickers took it back out uh, and the car's been brought in and retired. And most recently, on 278, the fifth retirement, the Kelly Moss Road and Race machine. Actually, I'm not sure. Not so sure it was. Might be the seventy-five. Might be the most recent one, even uh, though it's yes, farther down even the though order. It's fewer, yes, absolutely right, Jeremy. You're absolutely right. Um, Andre Davis, the fifth retirement yeah. uh, in the number ninety-two. That's the Kelly Moss Road Race machine. So yes, Schiller is the additional car five official retirements. Here comes the pit lane hordes. Let's go down to the pit lane. And the hordes are arriving, as you say, but it's not all the cars. Quite rightly, as Jeremy points out, many getting their laps back. Uh, Alexander Sims stops at my feet, and it's going to be a full service and a driver change. Pipo Durrani getting on board that 31 Whelan car. Further down, I can see that the Maya Shank car is getting a full... tyres, it's getting fuel. Oh, and the rear deck's coming off the uh, Maya Shank car. So whether they're just going for a top-up or a look or see where this seal really is leaking, I don't know. So, the, so whether the gearbox seal is that issue, they're just checking. But that's, that, they've taken the opportunity to have a look at it. Obviously, it's free time. 
Now they have built up a complete new, or perhaps had a good old look at a complete gearbox uh, through X-Track, and they had a, 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 probably had strategies of how to replace the bits they need. But it looks like they've had a look, and they're not too bothered at the moment. I don't know what that way actually. It's behind me, we, we obviously we did have the um, lapsed down. Uh, GTP car, the 25 car. So still sitting on the apron is the Maya Shank car. So this is important. They are, they were leading this six. This, this is the car that's been the class of field, about, about to get a little bit of uh, liquid. The tyres are going up, but that back deck is still off. Uh, rejoining is the 13, by the way. And moving down, just virtually there now. Right, they, they've got the tyres. Right, the, the deck is off. This is, this is absolutely a look around thing. It's a kind of a pump up of fluid. Yeah, and there's a there's a repressure there's another repressurization going, but we'll just go remember with the deck. Second time they repressurized the system at least. Man is trying to move his his deck to uh, prevent. Ah, now tie wraps are coming out. So they look at they they they're looking like they're tying up elements around the. Yeah, they, what, are, what are they actually? Are they actually tie wrapping up? I, don't, I wonder whether they got some, some. They got some hoses, some loose hoses, very expensive hoses there, which looked a bit loose. I wonder if they got an issue with sort of the hose mountings as such. Yeah, they 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 they're trying to get the. This is a, a bl uh, an overflow bleed hose. Effectively, just leaks out fluid. And I think they're trying to get the thing um, rooted properly. Perhaps it was um, picking up some temperature. Car now on the ground. They've done that. They put those two extra tie wraps in to make sure that. Exhausting hose is what it is. Will 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 vent whatever it's venting. And now goes the rear deck goes on and the rear clip. And they've taken their time there to do some remedial action. They say they didn't mean to seal. They had a look and they had a look at what's leaking. And they've made sure that they've rerouted these. I'm quite pleased with what they've done though. Yeah, pat pats on the back. They may well have uh, solved their issue. Lots of nods from the team. So. Perhaps that's what they, you know, they looked at the gearbox in situ on their uh, gearbox track and realised this is what we need to do, or we think we need to do. They've done it. They've obviously, they'll only lose track position because obviously the other cars that went past, that's all they'll have gained. The blue, the red light. The blue, the red light at the end of the pit lane. Well, how long's that? Uh, that'll be a stop. It'll be a drive through at least. Why is the Colin Minolta car coming at a really weird angle? The yeah, number 10 car. Was the number 10 car behind the gate? Has the number 10 car lost laps? Uh, number 10 car was getting a lap back. All oh, right. It's trying it to. It's coming no, in, no, no. Came in a very oh. strange angle. Looks like it had come out from behind the garage. Behind the, it came out from the, behind the wall. Oh. I yeah, don't know. I don't know maybe it did go behind the wall, Nick. You might be right there. It's, it's Definitely went behind the wall. Yeah, I've been told came, by Johnny Palmer. It it's just, uh, just RSL risk control. It just came back. The tyres are uh, very grubby. Um, obviously, wasn't behind there for a long time. It's now getting a full, full fill of fuel. And, and so the 93 Acura was also out of position. It, it, it all turned a bit of a chaos because, effectively, the um, number 10 couldn't actually loop round from the garage into its space. It didn't have enough steering lock. And then at the same time, the 93 Acura, uh, the uh, racer's edge car, um, came in. Ah, oh, loads of fluids going into. This is not a great. This is not a great five minutes for Acura. After looking the class of the field for the first 12 hours, we've uh, seen heavy work on the Maya Shank car, and now an issue which, which took the 10 car behind the wall, and they're now doing extra refills. And yeah. some of the. Uh, now, now that's a different refill to what we saw 
on the Maya Shankar. This is going in on the right-hand side. Too pressurised. Now, I think that's the engine oil that, that's going in at that point on the right-hand side. The pump-up that we back. saw at the back, Nick, surely has to be something to do with the gearbox. And by the way, a couple of people have noticed that when the 0-1 Cadillac was following the 60, the screen got covered in some kind of fluid. Hydraulic fluid, gearbox oil. Yeah, Hypoid oil, yeah. yeah. But, Nasty stuff. And I think that they were, they were, perhaps they were looking at the way they vented that, because perhaps it was venting, the way that it was venting onto the tyres. <laughs> they actually did move the vent for that. Ah. So I'm not totally sure. So, that, so basically the 10 car... Um, so how long was that behind the wall? Was that lost like a lap, two laps? It they came in with everybody else. Ah, and dived in yeah. very quickly. So it was only in there for three minutes. Effectively one lap of the safety car speed it was in there for. Also, that, that delay for the, the slightly bizarre um, angle of coming into the pit box for the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport Acura delayed their sort of uh, stablemate car, the 93 Racers Edge yes. Acura, which they sh they, there's a lot of share, sharing going on there. And that really delayed the 93 uh, GTD Acura, the red machine, so uh, quite significantly. So, the, uh, yeah, not a great five minutes for Acura. Once again, the number six Porsche 963 is leading. That's right. Yeah. The, yep. I think the third time a Porsche has led this motor race. Yep, fastest on the pit lane when the, those who were on the lead lap who came in super quick on the pit lane and the, the two Cadillacs, the 31 Action Express car and the 01 uh, Chip Ganassi car were, were right there behind them. So uh, great pit work from uh, Penske Porsche Motorsport. Uh, Action Express and uh, Chip Canassi crew as well. So, drama then here at the Rolex 24 hour at Daytona. Problems for Acura, as Nick put it perfectly. They've been arguably the, the, the class of the field over the first 12 hours, and just as we go past halfway, uh, problems on both Acuras delaying both cars. And we'll wait to see what happens with the, uh, the pit lane light with the uh, the 60 car as well. That could be a big, big change there uh, for those crews. So Porsche lead at the moment with uh, Dane Cameron. Car number 38 in LMP3 is being pushed back again. Esteban Gutierrez, excuse me, uh, there's Connor Bloom getting pushed back, the performance tech machine. Maybe missed its pits box. Down to Nick Damon in pit lane. Yeah, I think there's a problem with the uh, Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport uh, Acura. It's come back in again. They've put a bit of fuel in, but now the rear deck is coming off, and looks like there's going to be some problems. So let's see what they is this the same problem as before? The clips off. Next up is the uh, cover, and they're looking to get more fluid. And they don't seem to have any. I'm looking for overspill around that rear area. It's not there. The, this is much more a engine oil or, or the front of the engine where they the, the refilling a huge amount of liquid this is now looking to get two more of those pressurized containers which must hold by the looks of it at least a liter each perhaps two liters and this is the fourth one that's gone in now i'm assuming it's engine oil. it could of course be water it could be the way they fill the water up um which would uh, perhaps make more sense since the car's overheating there they go on goes the uh, the body shell and the clip they're just um running around 
Jeremy was told to watch for this because the, the fuel apparently is contaminating the engine oil because it blows through the seals in the engine on the Acura engine, both through the piston uh, rings. No. How it goes it's not the it's not that uh, high it's not the high level of ethanol causing a problem then. Uh, well, everybody runs the same fuel here. Yeah. Um, Jeremy was told to watch out for this, but I, I, it started very, very early, and it's not getting any better, Nick, is it, really? No, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it, if you're just topping something up that's burning off, and the burning off level is staying the same, and you're topping it up, it's fine, but they just put four, um, four or three and a half of those canisters in, so you kind of go, that's quite a big burn, and on the whole, the more you run an engine, the, 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 the bigger the tolerances get, um, and that kind of causes the problem. So, yeah, you say this is a, a great problem, but we're, we're going to get both the Cadillacs back again. So the Chip Ganassi Cadillacs are both coming in in a second. I shall wait for those. Well, well, it's all changed, John. Uh, we have a perfectly sensible <laughs> first 12 hours of the race, and then it all goes poof when we top. get into the second half. I'm, I'm, I'm trailing, trailing ahead. Uh, and blaming uh, our night shifts, night owls, Johnny Palmer <laughs> and Bruce Jones, powered by Sacred Coffee. Uh, I, th I absolutely think it's their fault. Uh, even their mere presence uh, by the microphones as they're getting ready for their four-hour shift. Uh, rooftop rate will be taking over as well. Straight in. And disaster looms, says Bruce on our talk back. Oh, dear me. 11 hours, 45 minutes to go. Uh, and Nick Damon is still... Yeah, this is the one getting its lap back. Both the Cadillacs had to get a lap back. The one's right. having a slightly longer stop. They both, I think, have taken... The one has definitely taken right side tyres only and fuel. Now it's also sitting on the apron with an undiagnosed problem. The two, the blue car has been and gone, and now they're waving away the one as well. But no, they were waving away the one. That's been sitting on the apron now for a while, and now it's fired up. So it is about this stop 12 hours in, but suddenly all these cars which were working aren't working perfectly. Yeah, they are Nick, away, just, though. Just for your uh, information, and thanks to Spooner in Orange, one of our great Orange Army uh, volunteer marshals, he reckons the number 10 has the best garage location because it was able to drive straight in uh, from the pit lane. They didn't seem to lose too much time, even though they had a bit of a jaunty angle, as you said. Wickerbill says, silly question, but how long does it take to drain the engine oil from the accurate? Um, would it not have been better to drain the contaminated oil and then refill it with clean? That is a fair point, well made and beautifully presented, Wiggerpool. At IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us, 107.9 around the circuit, RS2, of course, around the world. If you're in the US and suitably equipped, no giggling in the back there, it's Sirius XM 207. And we've got sound and vision for you if you're outside the US. Hello to everybody in Canada who is watching the World Feed stream. IMSA Radio live video stream or imza.tv and syndicated around the world as well to our TV partners including Sky in New Zealand hello there and, uh, 
not even going to try and work out what time it is there at the moment. Coming up to 7 a.m. in the UK, 8 in Europe. That means we're standing by to hand over to our night owls for the powered by Sacred Coffee night, night shift. I'm not sure we are going to get back to green before Bruce and Johnny take over. So some thoughts, Jeremy, from you? No, just a, 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 if we've only got a few minutes, just a quick note on the uh, Michelin Endurance uh, Championship. Please. Uh, in, um, in GTP, the, the top three at the end of six hours were inverted uh, after 12 hours. So there will be all three tied on points, on eight points apiece for the number, uh, <laughs> number uh, 20, excuse me, 60 car, the number 10 car, and number 31. So they'll be, all be tied, tied together on uh, eight points. Uh, Acura will lead in the Engine Manufacturers Championship for that uh, particular category. In LMP2, uh, we've had two different leaders, and s same sort of thing. We've had... Well, a, f a first and an outside the top three for both the number 11 car and the number 55. They've both got seven points, as has the number 52 car, the PR1 Matheson Motorsports team, which won the MEC, MEC last year. So all three of those teams have seven points with two uh, lots of points scored so far. In LMP3, uh, Sean Creech Motorsports with a, a second and now a first because they were leading at the halfway point in the race will have nine points to the seven of Andretti Autosport number 36 and the six of the AWA number 17. It's Jeremy Shaw and Peter Mackay up here on the fifth floor. Just a quick note. Kevin Rollins had exactly the same thought as I and he's tweeted in at Imza Radio. Well, at least we know that these cars can do the distance of Sebring. Just don't count on the Acuras making it back after the cool-down lap. Fair point. Well made. Uh, thanks very much to you for listening and we will start our Powered by Sacred Coffee night shift with Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. They're easing. How nice to come in and uh, ease yourself in in the middle of a full course yellow. We'll be going back to green soon. We're live from Daytona International Speedway. This is IMSA Radio. A chance to reset then here at Daytona for the 61st edition of the Rolex 24. We've just ticked over the half-distance marker and reached a very decent length of uh, time since the last caution. I have to say, for the first probably four or five hours, we were doing so well on cautions. Had only three by lap 100 and, well, 211. At that point, we'd only had three cautions, but since then... Uh, we had a, a full reset on 2.12 laps, a further one at 2.85, 3.11, and now this one, which will take us probably to the 400-lap marker with a race lead at the moment for GTP car number six for Dane Cameron in his Porsche Penske Motorsport, 9RD, the, uh, the 963, the brand-new car. And remember, we started the race with a couple of those Porsches, but the seven car has had big dramas Dane Cameron leading from the 31 Cadillac, driven by Pipo Durrani, and it's Simon Pagino in the number 60 Acura, which has appeared to be on track the fastest car with lap speed and also seems to have fuel mileage as well, Bruce Jones. However, 
big dramas, not for the 60, but for the other Acura in the race, the 10 car, in the previous stop, as Nick Damon detailed. Absolutely extraordinary, Johnny, watching the early hours of the race as it was unfolding, the, the, that sort of notion of uh, speed plus fuel efficiency came across loud and clear, but... Uh, I did enjoy the quip a moment ago. Well, they should be short, all set for the Sebring 12 because on the 12-hour mark, looking great. However, we don't entirely know what has just been done. But maybe it's the first chink in the armour, the first possible weakness. But uh, I am loving this new GTP era. It's very, very special. And what a place to display it. Right now, now we've come in, powered by Sacred Coffee. It might get us through the night. Let's hope so. Um, we just want them to go racing. They're about yep. to be unleashed and... Uh, We'll see them at their full, full fury. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting so far. Lots of moans early on from the Porsche drivers. And we've got uh, Joe Bradley down in the pits. Joe, how are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, welcome to Daytona. I uh, just wanted to uh, just concur with your loving the GTP era so far. It really is something, isn't it? I mean, the cars are so visceral. I mean, you guys need to be down here in the pits and just see how visceral these cars are. I can tell from this great height, to be honest. We're going green, Joe. We'll be plenty more from you during this stint. But now to the high side, trying to retain that lap that it's lost, or several laps the number 10 car lost. But nevertheless, trying to overtake into turn one, coming off the tri-oval. But Dane Cameron in the Porsche number six retains its race lead with 11 hours and 37 minutes to go. Pippa Durrani doing the chasing in the 31 car. And to the inside line of the international horseshoe, Simon Pagino. That's the car, number 60, with the fastest lap of the race so far. Working its way now out of the first of the horseshoes through that rapid kink through the left-hander and then diving onto the brakes. Wonderful sight these cars make, particularly at night with their monstrous taillights on the rear deck. No mistaking when a car is slowing there. We've had one or two cars um, with certainly headlights out after contact earlier on in the piece. They thunder out onto the main speedway and into the night. We're at three minutes past two in the morning at Daytona, but the pace does not relent, Bruce. What I absolutely adore is the, the restarts at Daytona because it offers an opportunity, not always a chance, but an opportunity to think about going down the inside into Turn 1. And then they go into, into the International Horseshoe. And so many people haven't got the heat in their tyres. And We were commenting before we came on air, Johnny, a lot of GT runners are getting it wrong at effectively Turn 3, getting to see the barriers come coming closer towards them as they go on the grass and rejoin. But again, just as we saw, I think whoever was in fifth place was just being challenged as they went up onto the banking, back onto the speedway. And that's what you want on a restart. Some circuits, we could have a debate through the night, are better suited to restarts. I think the Moy is fantastic going up into the Dunlop chicane because, again, there's, is there a chance? Isn't there a chance? Yeah. Can I block it? Am I going to compromise my line? And that, to me, is what racing is all about. Alex Lynn, a blistering getaway. You commented on who was in fifth position. Well, Alex started that lap in fifth. He's now up to third position in the 0-2 car, which is the, one of the uh, two of the Cadillac uh, V LMDHs. Again, brand new for 2023. And Alex Lynn rocketing on. He's now side-by-side side with the 60 car that he is jostling for position for third spot. And Simon Pagino caught on the outside line as they headed for the kink there. So the Frenchman no option to get underneath the Brit and retake that provisional podium spot. But that 0-2 car really hustling on at the restart. Obviously, tyre temperature does ebb away during a caution, but it's nothing like giving a car a new set of Michelin tyres. And that's what you were talking about with the GT uh, D Pro and non-pro cars, particularly when they come out on their fresh tyres, zero grip when they get to the International Horseshoe and plenty of grass tracking for the first few corners.
It's also just looking at the desire. The driver has that little chip in their head saying it's a 24-hour race, but then there's your opportunity into turn one. Oh, someone's gone a little wide into turn three. You've got to think about these things, but of course, absolutely the key is just you going back onto the banking. If you get a good exit onto the banking and entry to the straight, then you can ride. And for me, the sight of these uh, GTP cars, you know, different shapes, different sounds, but they're just fantastic. It does take me back because I'm that old to the fabulous days of the, of the 1980s and early 90s in Ipsa. And I... I, I understand and just looking at the size of the crowd here this weekend we're not alone in our desire to see these cars certainly not through the tri-oval more overlapping again some of that is actually cars unlapping themselves including the 10 which is making steady progress louis delatraz across the line with a 140 flat so that time through no 138.2 actually was his lap time that he's just completed so that's much more like it i was going to say 140 is pretty slow but it was him getting back up to speed again possibly because those are relatively new tyres as again it's side by side on the infield and that was Pagino getting the place back again from Alex Lynn so he made the outside line work to the left hand kink which he couldn't do three and a half miles ago yeah that was Pagino actually taking it to Dirani uh, Lynn had just been having got ahead of Pagino elbowed back by the French racer and uh, Simon then thought hey this is good let's try Dirani and so Pipo uh, just being pushed very hard indeed back to third place but this is what it's all about up on the banking in the night at Daytona in top top prototypes and uh, for all those involved and it is quite a cast of stars at the top just just looking at uh, the car Alex Lynn, Alex Lynn's driving Earl Bamber no fool in a car by anyone's imagination Le Mans winner Alex Lynn super and everything and Richard Westbrook all those years of experience I fancy that as a very very strong challenger in this race you're quite right with your identification of Dirani, and it's now Dirani and Alex Lynn in those two caddies that are going hammer and tongs because pretty close on the braking there to Dirani was Alex Lynn. So 31 and 02 getting close to one another. That's the Cadillac uh, factory team and the wheel and engineering uh, car being caught for third and fourth positions with Pagano now ahead and only 1.5 seconds behind the race leader Dane Cameron Jop van Outer, by the way leading LMP2 he's 0.8 of a second ahead of Alex Quinn so it's the 35 car leading LMP2 and then in LMP3 Wayne Boyd ahead of Nolan Sigal and James Vance so 17 ahead of the 33 car there's actually a lap difference now for that Wayne Boyd leading 17 in the LMP3 class. And GT Daytona mixing it as they have been pretty much all race with the GT Daytona Pro cars. Maxi Gertz leading David Pittard. Mercedes ahead of a couple of Aston Martins there. Well, you were talking about the speed of the Acuras from the outset combined with their fuel efficiency, but Simon Pagano, fastest driver on the track at the moment. One and a half seconds down on race leader Dane Cameron at the start of the lap, but he took four-tenths of a second about out, out of the race leader's advantage, and that was on a lap in which he passed Pipo Dirani. So the pace is with the Maya Shankar, car number 60, and Simon pressing on, pressing on, and in fact, behind the battle for third place, Pipo Dirani and Alex Lynn, second lap running. Alex Lynn's put his nose up the inside, brake disc glowing, and he gets into the Le Mans chicane just in front. So up to third place goes Lynn, back from second to third, and now third to fourth goes to Dirani, jousting in the night at Daytona. We're powered by Sacred Coffee for the overnight stint. Two till six, Bruce Jones and me, Johnny Palmer, are on IMSA Radio, RS2. We're around the track on 107.9 FM as well. Sirius 216 and XM Channel 202. Round the outside there, a great bit of jostling. 
And not too far away either is the number seven Porsche. Now, that is lapped down, but it's not going to stop that car getting involved with the leading GTP cars. Michael Christensen trying to scythe his way back at the order. And he's going to draw level here with Pippa Durrani into the international horseshoe and get at least one lap back on the wheel and car, Bruce. Not that Michael Christensen needed to be reinvigorated, but for a lot of these drivers stepping up from the GTD Pro or the GTE Pro class uh, uh, in uh, Le Mans to race prototypes. This has been a fantastic winter for them. Early days for these crews still with their development. But to see Michael, who's always been a very hard and fair racer, making that move to get a lap back, or one of many laps he needs to get back, why not? So good to see people stretching their legs. And again, the circuit provides the opportunity. So they'll go up onto the banking again. And once more, lap 406 always intense when we come out of a caution and it was a sort of standard length caution really I want to say six laps in total and yeah the lap chart would confirm that so it came out on let's just check the lap that it was first shown that last caution 393 and actually lasted seven laps because it was uh, taken with withdrawal on lap 400 so we've had four or five laps since the caution, but still the, G the uh, GTP cars are sorting themselves out. Let's remind you about what's happening, though, in the GT classes, because Maxi Gertz, as mentioned, is out front in the number 32 Mercedes. So that car run by Team Kortoff Motorsports, Maxi Gertz sharing it with Mikel Grenier, Kenton Cook and Mike Skeen who did have an off-track moment in the early stages of the race, but they've recovered superbly well since then. And now doing the chasing onto one of the Lexus, it's Lexus number 12, is the 57 Winwood Racing Mercedes. So this is a dice for third and fourth in GT Daytona. When you lump all the GT cars together, it's for fifth and sixth. Aaron Tielitz in the number 12 Lexus, ahead of Daniel Morad in 57. Again, just looking, the race can't settle down for a handful of laps after a restart. No. I think the jousting is now sort of, unless someone's completely out of order and they're now starting to pick their way past faster cars, it's settling down. But just great to see the GTD class looking as strong as it is. And a move, <laughs> Aaron Tielitz having to just give a little bit of track there as Daniel Murad, very late uh, sub in the team after Lucas Auer injured himself. New shell for the car and the Canadian racer, you know, not short on Daytona experience, was presumably jumping up and down going, me, me! Yeah. And uh, a very affable individual. So he's doing a great job there. And that's uh, for the num number 57 Mercedes crew, Winwood Racing. He's sharing that with, uh, of course, Russell Ward, his long-time uh, race partner, Philip Ellis, and Dutch driver with one of the most gravelly voices in the paddock. Only Doncha. Uh, does he got a gravelly voice? I've not, no he does. He's, he's, he's got a very that. unusual voice. And I thought, have you been smoking Good 60 cigarettes a day from the age of six? I hope not. Good but. for voiceovers, though. He's got a career, perhaps, when uh, the racing uh, eases out. But that's uh, probably many decades away for Indy Doncha. Still a rapid driver and only coming onto the scene six, seven years ago. The Doncha family, I think, mm. across the board are incredibly quick from the Netherlands. Meanwhile... Only point one five of a second now separating the two leaders. They're on the infield section, heading out of the Western Horseshoe now. And Dane Cameron, make no mistake about it, is under pressure from Simon Pagino, who, remember, slipped behind Alex Lynn 
and he was battling with Pipo Dirani in the early stages coming out of the latest yellow. But the Acura, the AR6, the ARX06, new for 2023, forgive me, uh, is now properly being wound up and is in the slipstream of Dane Cameron. Cameron might not have an answer here, although he just shuffles his car over to the left-hand side. Maybe a bit naughty that if he persists that way, but at least Pagino had the warning. He got out of the throttle and I think he wouldn't have been so gentlemanly if we were into the final two hours of the 61st edition of no, the Rolex. No, but what happened, he compromised his, his in and out to the chicane there in order to stay ahead, but a far better exit and therefore able to punch with more speed out of the chicane. Onto the high side goes Simon Pagano. Mm. Obviously, that's all that's being offered, but it was oh, <laughs> super tight as they dive around, tighten up, but... Uh, the writing's on the wall here. Let's hope it's not in the wall. But Simon Pagano has got the quickest car. But at the moment, Dane Cameron, you know, he's got a lot of pride here. And uh, for Porsche, they're leading this race. And um, he's going to stay there as long as he can. But you really just feel at the moment, Simon Pagano, having fallen back, we saw it about fourth, then third, then second. But really, the speed is there to take the lead. It's just a question of just not taking too much of a risk, I would suggest. Now, it's, I tried to stay across as many of the pit stops as I could. But for me... Cameron's car is moving around way more than Pagano's at the moment. So the 963, I reckon, is in the second stint of double-stinted Michelin tyres, whereas Pagano makes sense that he's got brand-new rubber. That's why he was slow at the start of the stint, and now those brand-new boots are really coming into their operating window. So Cameron, in a way, might expect to concede the lead during this stint, but as long as he can keep Pagano behind him, that will pay dividends for the lone Porsche out front. They Remember that there are still two 963s in the race, but Michael Christensen is uh, a number of laps back. He has completed nine, uh, 392. 16 laps down. There we go. Thank you. 16 laps away from Pagano, who through the last split was called as the race leader. That's because he was on the high side of the tri-oval and actually went across the line in front of Dane Cameron. He might do it properly this time around because he's got the inside line through turn four, speedway turn four, but Cameron is living with the pace of the Acura. Absolute drag race across the line. Cameron to the high side and Pagino to the low side. They had to go to the outside of a GT car as well, though, but Pagino will take the race lead on lap 409. Epic stuff, Bruce. Absolutely brilliant. Side by side but the whole element of a GT car they suddenly had a whole batch of them up ahead just a, maybe a slight lift from Simon Pagano but he still had just enough in the tank uh, to, to get through I said it was a question of when and that was when they were running line astern sometimes side by side without traffic they found traffic and the, the much more yellow headlights of a GTD car you could see trying to keep out of the way going as low as it could on the banking but Pagano had to edge his way up a little bit and Cameron just simply didn't have the answer so work their way by a GT car out of turn four through the trial, then another one, which I think was a Porsche, unidentified at this stage, and now they're properly into traffic. So it's taken a while for the GTPs to catch the tail end uh, and the GT runners, but the, make no mistake about it, they are right ensconced now in 10 or so GT. D cars, pro and non-pro machines, who are all legitimately there and going about their own race. They'll have to keep an eye on the mirrors, though, because there are two very quick GTP cars wanting to get by. Yeah, and furthermore, uh, as they fight, of course, they slow themselves down a little bit. That gives a little bit of sucker for Alex Lynn in third place, the, the zero 
uh, to Cadillac at racing entry. He's running in relatively clean air. He was 2.9 seconds down at the start, finished straight last time around, but uh, he's got to get past those GT cars, but he's got a little bit of a gap. He's got one and a half seconds back to Scott Dixon in the sister car, so they should be able, as this lead duo fight, or should I say fought, because Passionova has now made it through, just a little chance to close up. Let's see what happens. Uh, heading back onto the infield now, Dane Cameron looking to stay as high up in the order as possible on these stint and a bit old tyres. Pagino needed to break free to make fully use of this brand new set of Michelin's. So it's Johnny Parr and Bruce Jones for the overnight stint. We're powered by Sacred Coffee on RS2 IMSA Radio. And delighted as well that the uh, the third part of our little collection is Ray Wenzel Jr. on the top of the World Centre Racing building. Not the first time that we've been put together on shift, Ray. And uh, great that you can be uh, rooftop, Ray, again. I don't know how many years this has been in a row now. Uh, but uh, next time we go, we cut back to his camera on the main feed I'm sure he'll do a little nod for us to say that he's uh, doing okay because the temperature is pretty fine uh, this year thankfully no rain predicted and a nice warm temperature overnight as well so even though it is coming up for 20 minutes past two hopefully you're nice and toasty on the roof of uh, the Daytona main building through speedway turns three and four goes the race leader Simon Pagino still with plenty of GT Daytona traffic ahead and he'll be able to pick plenty of these cars off now to the high side again into the trioval including those two Lexus that are running pretty much nose to tail so that is Aaron Thielitz ahead of Ben Barnacote one is GTD one is GTD Pro the Barnacote car but Maxi Gertz remember is leading the class outright. It's 19 degrees Celsius, by the way, in the air. Um, so very respectable temperature indeed, Bruce. Yes, I was th when you said hope you're up there feeling toasty, Ray, what you want to do is just feel adequate. You don't want to know if you're hot or cold. You Good just point. need to be right. But 66 degrees. Now, busy on the track, but also very busy down in the pits. And Joe Bradley has got Hugh Plum, car number 66. Hello, Hugh. I thought I'd get a status report on the 64 TGM Aston Martin. You guys started from the very back of the grid, the, the whole grid. So how are things so far? Looking good on the timing screens. Yeah, the, uh, these TF guys are doing an amazing job. We, uh, we wanted to keep, we wanted to keep uh, Ted Giovannis. We wanted to get him his, his time in the car. And we thought starting last on the grid would be the safest play there. And um, so we're just kind of chipping our way at coming back here and, and uh, up to, what, eighth place and got a long way to go. I mean, a Rolex 24 without incident is kind of a an impossible utopia, I suppose. So you guys have managed so far, and the car's running strong? Yeah, absolutely. This Aston Martin is unbelievable. Um, yeah, and of course, yeah, we look to have a, uh, an unscathed car here. Um, because that's the only way, you know, these races have become true 24-hour sprint races. And you've got to stay out of trouble. So uh, if we can do that, you know, look to be in the top five somewhere. And you, you're here this weekend only with the collaboration with the World Champions TF Sport. Have you guys gleaned anything from that to take forward into the IMSA season? 
So our main focus this year is the, the GT4 program, uh, which we ran yesterday, and super impressed and happy with the Aston switch to Aston Martin this year. And uh, these guys are true professionals, and, um, you know, yeah, every moment spent with these guys teaches us all a bunch. And, uh, you know, I think our team owner, Ted Giovanna, is super happy with the way things are going. And you're, you're here in the pit box, you, and piped in and listening in on the headset. Is that, does that mean that you're in the car very shortly? Yeah, I'm going to get in in about 35 minutes. Yeah, I'll leave you to your prep. Thank you. Thank you. Hugh Plum from the TGM TF Sports Aston Martin crew. That's number 64. So their race at this stage uh, going OK, as uh, Hugh mentions. The car is in eighth position in GT Daytona Pro with Matt Plum currently at the wheel. Uh, but there are a number... I'll give you a position in GTD Pro, but then you've got to weave in about another eight or nine GT Daytona cars as well. And this is a point that... The rest of the crew on IMSA Radio this year have been mentioning the cars all built to exactly the same regulations. You know, it's all about which driver is in at any one point and how you've utilised your non-pro lineup. Because, yes, GT Daytona Pro, as the name would suggest, it's all pros. GT Daytona is a bit like, if you follow World Championship and European racing, a bit like GT Am in that you've got to have a, an element of bronze and silver in there as well. But if there's not been too much bronze or silver time burnt so far or indeed because we're resetting the race fairly frequently this year in the Rolex with the cautions plenty of GT Daytona non-pro cars up there no absolutely but uh, again you see it's certainly it's not every year but some entries and in fact it's good we've just with the 64 crew Ted Giovanni's TGM Motorsport crew because of course they opted to go their mix of drivers would be right for GTD they went into the pro class because it can reduce the amount of time that their bronze driver would have, which is team boss Ted Giovanni. So it's sort of working the system, it's fine, but the fact is out on the track, they're having full battling, and at the moment, the, the 64, um, with Matt Plum, the younger of the Plum brothers, I've just lost him, he's, a, there we are, eighth in class, 38th overall, his target up the road is Marco Mapelli. If you can keep up with Marco, you're doing very, very well indeed. Marco True. has raced here, there, and everywhere, and he's a um, very, very quick Italian racer. You normally find him in a Lamborghini, and guess what? He's in a Lamborghini. That's the, the one from uh, Forte Racing, powered by US Race Tronics. Quite a long word, isn't it? Race Indeed. But anyhow, there we are. Showing that with uh, Misha Goitberg, um, Benja is the driver from Chile, and the absolute star in that car, Loris Spinelli. Anywhere in the world, if there's a Lamborghini involved in a race and Loris is in it, you're going to go, keep your eyes on that one. Yeah, normally easy to spot. It's normally at the front, and he's been racing increasingly in the states. Came across last year and did quite a handful of races. So um, you know, very, very, very rapid individual. But I'm, I'm pleased to see he's sort of stretching his wings a little bit. He spent many years in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo, and it's nice to have him in a multi-class race. So it's still nose to tail at the head. Uh, just actually for second position, I beg your pardon, for Dane Cameron and now Alex Lynn. So reeling in. The American is the Brit, as Simon Pagino has now built himself a very tidy lead of just over six seconds as we go down to the floor again to Pit Road and Joe Bradley. Just jumping out of the number 18 era motorsport, the LMP2 number 18 is, is a little bit down the field, Christian, and a bit of a, a recovery drive for you guys. How do you stay focused and motivated? Yeah, I think it's just about uh, focusing on the end goal here. Uh, I mean, we're 
obviously we got set a little bit behind, but I think we were seven laps down at the worst, so now, and now we're at three. So it's just about chipping away at it. It's a long race, uh, 11 hours and 15 minutes ago, so a lot can happen. And I, I, I suppose it's in the hands of the engineers to try to claw you those laps back under caution. You've just got to go as fast as possible. That's right. It sounds I mean, easy, doesn't it? It does sound easy. Just uh, break a little later, roll more speed, and uh, get on the throttle earlier, right? No, I mean, we're, we're doing what we can. The engineers have been doing a, a good job getting us a few laps back, so we'll just continue what we're doing. I'm going to go back and try and get a nap, and then uh, I'll be back in later. You say try to get a nap. How easy is it to decompress from driving a race car around here and then hopping off for a snooze? I don't know, I tried earlier and didn't succeed, so I guess I'll try again. Yeah, I'll leave you to try that. Thanks, mate. Tough here. I mean, I suppose you need to have been to a number of races to be able to recognise that the car noise is there and constantly there. I've, I've spoken to a number of people through the years that actually sometimes it's the caution that wakes them up rather than the loud noise because it's just the change. You get, you get used to that very high volume of race uh, engines and then as soon as that stops your brain goes something's happened here and wakes you up it, it really does and uh, let's face it at a 24-hour race you're not sleeping you're sitting with your or lying if you're lucky with your eyes closed you, you're, you're not fully fully under but exactly that and I, I can think of many races including one one time I was Ford very kindly uh, lent me a caravan infield at the Nürburgring for the 24 hours and I thought oh it's raining it's foggy standard um but it's also silent. Oh, hold on. Oh, I've got to get up and find out what's going on. And your best plan of getting two hours of shut-eye, gone completely. And then you go, just getting out of bed. Oh, no, they're going again. Oh, yeah. no, they've stopped again. Uh, so eventually you have to give up. Just being the nosy creatures we are as journalists and commentators. But, uh, yeah, you're entirely right if suddenly there's a change of note. And you live in fear when you go to sleep that you're going to a deep, deep slumber because you know you're going to have to get, not only just get up, but you've got to be on your toes very quickly. So you are at a state of alert as you're lying down. And that's certainly if you're due into the car next, but often the one after that, the driver after that, has to be relatively alert as well. Should something untoward have happened and need to be on a short call, I suppose there is a benefit for this event in that uh, um, some teams elect to run with four drivers, although many of the GTP uh, lineups this year are just the three, much like Le Mans. And that's perhaps with an eye to convergence again, because those teams looking to uh, run cars in both the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the World Endurance Championship. I know we have dedicated teams here, but for Porsche, for example, uh, teams in both of those, then maybe it's mindful to think about three drivers uh, and also thinking about perhaps Le Mans in June as well. So yep. eight and a half seconds is the gap now for Simon Paginot. So he wasn't happy with six. He's wanting to extend it to maybe ten and, and more, Bruce. No, exactly so. He's worked the traffic very, very well indeed. And uh, now, of course, uh, well, it happened quite quickly that Alex Lynn caught up with Dane Cameron. Alex Lynn went past into second place. So it's Acura, Cadillac, Porsche now. And uh, Scott Dixon in the second of the Cadillacs is, uh, well, he's 12 seconds down. Uh, on Dane Cameron so he's got uh, sorry on three seconds down on Dane Cameron so maybe Cameron's going back a little bit more 
as the second of the Cadillacs come up. But enthralling. And we were just commenting, Johnny, as we came on air, we were in a caution period. They were very quickly released. We had the, the thrash, and it was absolutely a thrash for the first three laps, the reordering. Now it's settled down a little bit. But, I mean, Pagano's pace has been eye-opening for me. I thought he was impressive in the early stage of the race, but it wasn't just natural pace. It was natural pace plus his desire to get to the front really just felt I don't want to be bottled up I've got this pace I've got yeah. to use it got to maximise it you said he wants to get out to 10 seconds 8.6 seconds is his advantage at the moment and clearly it's only going one way and uh, of course Lynn last time around yeah he was 8 tenths no 7 tenths of a second faster than Dane Cameron so second is going to become a safe second as Cameron slides back and then the next one in the line is the second of those Cadillacs of Scott Dixon that's the one with the uh, very attractive yellow nose Car 01 that's going to be the next one to tackle the number six Porsche. Pagino not been the fastest driver in the 60 to this point because very early in the race on only lap six before they hit traffic essentially. Tom Blomqvist set the best time which is, remains a 135.616. Tom of course the pole man as well, pole position and qualifying held last weekend during the roar before the 24 rather than within this race week but clearly seven days ago or so we knew the Acura was going to be fast and it had to set at those times very quickly indeed after Nick Tandy became the first person ever to crash a GTP car in a sort of public competitive session not a award that he was looking for I'm sure at the start of his visit to Daytona but uh, thankfully there that Porsche was able to be repaired the number six car bizarre moment and uh, a freak gust of wind blamed in fact as he was on the brakes heading into the Le Mans chicane during the roar uh, it meant that there was a red flag then thrown during that 15 minute session and they only had about two or three minutes to post quick times at the end of that but Blomqvist came out as the best. Wayne Boyd still continuing to lead in LMP3, Esteban Gutierrez out front in the 0-4 LMP2 car as we get another update from Pit Road and here's Joe yeah, this one's the 52 PR1 Matheson car. It's the, the very distinctive, <clears throat> pardon me, Wins livery car. Alex Quinn's just handed the car to, I think that was uh, Paul Lubchatin who's got into the car, Alex. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, um, it was close out there after the restart. We were all very similar pace. Um, I think a few around me had newer tyres, but uh, it's going all, all to plan so far. Um, still a long way to go, and I'm enjoying it. It's my first 24 hours, so... It's, it's, uh, it's hard work, got to stay concentrated, but um, I'm enjoying it. A bit odd for you then, the middle of the night being asked to perform. Yeah, it is, but to be honest with you, I don't even know what time it is, and it could be 8 o'clock in the morning for all I know. I'm wide awake, so... <laughs> um, tell me, you, you guys must be happy with that uh, haul of points you got at the half-distance point. Yeah, no, it adds up, so um, that's what we're here to do, try and get as many points as we can, and hopefully be there at the end when it matters uh, was, were you aware of that when you were in the car there you were in the car at the half distance point are the team telling you you know maintain try and maintain this position in the top three yeah i knew in my stint it would be you know it would be the halfway mark so i knew that i had to try and stay at the front we had a little issue um trying to start the car in the pit stop so we lost a bit of time there which is a shame but it all seems to be okay now so yeah now you've got a battle to try and get some sleep, I would, I would think. Yeah, I've got a few hours off, so I'll head back, get some rest and come back. Thanks, Alex.
what do young single-seater drivers know, know about sleeping in a race? Alex Quinn. First Absolutely year, nothing. First year out of single-seaters. His background was sort of a bit of Formula 4, a bit of Formula Renault across Europe, then USF 2000s. So he has a bit of experience. That was last yeah. year stateside. However, he's in the car that set the fastest lap in P2, Paul Luchatin. Nobody's fooled, just taken that one over. This is a whole new experience for the, the 22-year-old uh, from Choro. And lapping it up you know, really is, I really quite try literally and, I really try and get in, into the sort of mindset of what wherever some of the young drivers have raced if they come here this is their first endurance race it's Daytona I know. it's <laughs> not anywhere it's Daytona and this year a massive massive crowd you have to blank that out but when you're watching the start of the race and uh, you know everybody's there it must be so hard to keep a cool hard clear focus but you know clearly loving it but what a step up Speaking to Joe Bradley, a man who's never afraid to use a bit of old material, but it still works. I caught that. A question he posed to uh, Fernando Alonso a few years ago during a press conference. Famously so. And Jensen Button at Le Mans, uh, probably the same year, maybe 18 months later. Good old Joe. Uh, I, th- I think he went entirely over Alex's head, but we like that. Um, <laughs> Passiono, Lynn Cameron is the top three in GT. P and I was giving you a rundown actually of uh, the way we stand in LMP2 because um, at least one car came into pit road but we still have Esteban Gutierrez now he's driving the crowd shake uh, racing by APR car leading the way by 3.9 seconds over Nicholas Nielsen for AF Corsa in the, actually that gap's come down slightly 2.8 it now sits at in the 88 AF Corsa car and in third position, Jop van Outert for TDS Racing. So Jop's lost a, lo- a couple of places during this stint. Again, that may well be tyre-related. So concentrating on Esteban Gutierrez, who will come into pit road at the end of this lap. So that's going to be a 25-lap stint, I reckon. The car's best so far has been 26, but pretty much on the money. It's about a 45 to 48-minute stint for the LMP2s. So all going pretty well at the front end of LMP2 and their first chance after the last caution to do a pit stop cycle under green flag, Bruce. Exactly so. And while you were just talking there, Johnny, I was just having a little look down at the GTD and we've just been talking about drivers grabbing their opportunity when they step up to a a higher category and it's being led by David Pittard. So many years trying to get on the racing scene in minor GTs uh, in the UK. Famously became a specialist in the Nürburgring long-distance races and the last couple of years have been, well, last year and this year, full professional race driver. His whole world has changed. Here he is, young Brit, leading the way by, oh, just under half a second from Danny Juncadea. And Danny, last year, the Spaniard, just had the best year of his racing career. It came on stronger and stronger with every race and he was ga- gathering titles as if just for fun. And... Um, you know, just fantastic to see. He became the International GT Challenge champion, the GT World Endurance champion. Oh, and for good measure, he won the Spa 24 Hours. I think you were saying before the race, certainly, oh, now I'm trying to think, I listened to so many people's views before the start of the race. What's going to do well in GTD, whether pro or am? Mercedes was the manufacturer that came out uh, as a lot of people's recommendation. And Danny Juncker pressing on in second place right now on the tail of David Pittard in his Aston Martin. So you People could be right, but uh, Danny, you know, a lot of drivers, you know, they just don't, sometimes they don't get all the career momentum. And Danny, it went away a few years ago. Now it's come back big time mm. on everybody's must-have list. And uh, very, very uh, popular Spanish racer. He just had 
the year of years last year and he's hoping that momentum can carry him uh, through into 2023 and certainly the start at Daytona he's made um, for the 79 crew in uh, GTD Pro is very, very strong indeed. That's the WeatherTech racing car. And let's face it, uh, Cooper McNeil, of course, has been, that's his team. But Cooper True, yeah. appears to have found some new hobbies. He's going to step down from full-time racing. The WeatherTech car, I mean, that brand has been so strong, the family brand, for years and years. And I like Cooper. He's my sort of hype. One of the few drivers at the Moor I could look pretty much in the eye being of the taller persuasion. Good solid voice again. I wouldn't say gravelly, but great for voiceovers, Cooper McNeil, I would say. So, again, that might be a career yeah. option in the future. But as you say, it's going to be a different route. Although I still think he'll find a bit of time to do some racing action uh, at certain points through the year. Oh, Just guaranteed. not be not be committed to it on a weekly basis, necessarily. So that 79 car working its way now around the infield and right behind... David Pittard's Aston Martin, first and second in GTD Pro, heading out of the tricky left-hander at the end of the infield section and up onto Speedway Turn 1. It's always interesting, people's exit line from, from that corner, and you can see David Pittard was trying to get the power down as soon as he could, but it was a little too early. The car was uh, wobbling around a little bit, twitching, and a much cleaner exit by Danny Junkadea, so I guess he'll gain a tenth of a second. Can he get close enough? He's about ten car lengths down to get into the toe of the Aston Martin. Yes, as they go into the chicane, he gains a couple of car lengths, but you know, from David's point of view, he can't concentrate too much on his own race because he now knows the challenge is coming from behind. And I think that was, uh, that was shown by his desperation to get the power down ASAP. And it cost him a little bit. But uh, it's all about learning. And then, of course, around the outside comes a GTP car as though yeah. they're standing still. <laughs> Tied to a post, which they are really not because these GT Daytona cars are hammering round the Daytona International Speedway. But their pace is really put into perspective when the prototypes catch up with them. This is RS2 IMSA Radio. We're live at the track on 107.9 FM and around Daytona on 93.5 FM. You can find us on the AM frequency 1150 as well in and around Daytona Beach. We're on Sirius and XM, Sirius 216 and XM 202. And if you go to the go to the web address as well uh, that is imsaradio.com click on the live video tab and you can get us in sound and vision as well so you can uh, realize quite how frantic things are at 20 to 3 in the morning it's bruce jones and johnny palmer and we're nearing the end of another race hour because remember we started yesterday afternoon at 20 to 2 uh, in the afternoon so we will be running all the way through to 1.40 today and we can say that now 13 hours gone 11 hours to go